Women in STEM is an ongoing challenge, with many commentators ascribing the issue to everything from gender bias at schools to a lack of innate interest. Well, today I'm talking to someone who has broken all of those stereotypes. Hi, this is Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a conversation about how we navigate our careers, our organizations, our lives as women leaders. Exploring its challenges, learning from others, sharing best practice. An opportunity to step out of the fray for a bit, to help you tune out some of the noise and tune in to being the best leader you can be. Well, it's my real pleasure today to introduce you to Gladys Nietich. She's a Rhodes Scholar and is studying for her PhD at Oxford University in engineering science, aerospace. She got her bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Yomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology in Kenya, graduating with distinction. At Oxford, Gladys is a member of the Oxford Thermofluids Institute, researching novel advanced cooling technologies for jet engines and works in close partnership with Rolls-Royce. She also plays football for her college team and is an Oxford Blue athlete for 400-metre hurdles. She has been a recipient of numerous awards, including the Schmidt Science Fellowship, Rhodes Scholarship, Rolls-Royce Patent, the Tannenbaum Fellowship, Skoll World Forum Fellowship, and recently Gladys's research has been featured in BBC Science. Gladys, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I'm wondering if we could start, Gladys, with telling us your story, what path you've walked to be where you are now studying engineering science at Oxford University. Um, my academic journey started in a local primary school in Kenya. That was in 1997. I went to, I started grade one. And after grade eight, I did not cope very well. I didn't, I didn't perform very well because the school was under-resourced. Uh, so I scored 298 marks out of 500 uh, marks. Mm -hmm. And to just put it into context, the leading candidate had 472, so almost double mine. Uh, it was challenging getting high school admission, but uh, my mom went around and I finally got admitted to a private school uh, called Mercy Girls, mm -hmm. Our Lady of Mercy Girls uh, Secondary School. And I performed very well, actually, after high school. So I was um, I was the leading leading student in school and the whole and the entire district and and I secured a scholarship to to pursue mechanical engineering at Jomo Kenyatta University in Kenya. And while I was pursuing mechanical engineering, I got interested in a field called thermofluids. So thermo heat and fluids be it liquid or gases. Yeah. And I was sure I wanted to do a postgrad and, and I was actively looking for a project in thermofluid, a thermofluid related project. And while I was looking for a project, I was also actively looking for a scholarship. And that's when I came across Road Scholarship. So I applied for Road Scholarship uh, and through a rigorous process, I was selected as one of the only two candidates in Kenya in, in 2015. And uh, road scholarship, you only take it at Oxford. And so once I got the scholarship, then I was looking for, I was looking for a project then in Oxford. And that's when I came across Oxford Thermoplates Institute. And I contacted uh, my supervisor 
who, who happens to be the director of the lab. And he was very helpful throughout the entire process. And so uh, he got me a list of project, active projects uh, in, in partnership with Rolls-Royce that were running, uh, or that were, yeah, the, um, that were in the queue. And I picked one of the uh, one of the projects, and that's how I ended up in Oxford. So just briefly, that's how my academic journey has been. Well, that's a fabulous academic journey, and it really highlights both persistence and talent. Tell me about your life's journey along the way. Were you always interested in technology, and who was your biggest supporter in terms of supporting your academic aspirations? My my dad worked as a technician in one of the one of the petroleum companies in Kenya. It's called Kenya Pipeline. Mm. And when he whenever he came home for Christmas, mostly he would be doing wiring, piping around the house. And and I, I think I, that's where I was introduced to engineering. I did not know that was engineering, but I just got familiar with that environment. And and when I when I was in high school, I think that's when I realized that's engineering. And 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 yeah, and I wanted to do that. And 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 so I mean, looking back, I think it was that environment, uh, nuts, bolts, hammers around pipes and wires, uh, at an early age uh, that kind of introduced me to it. And also, two of my brothers I flo- follow closely. One did civil engineering, and one did mechanical engineering. Uh-huh. And it was more of a lot of influence from them, really. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, in terms of in terms of uh, like you mentioned, it's been a lot of persistence, and and it's it's not been a a, a, a one-person journey. I would, I would just think aloud my mom, because even when I failed in primary school, uh, the, the confidence to just move forward and the confidence to to, to stay up and and to, to work harder was from my mom. Um, she doesn't know. She didn't go past high school herself, and she even doesn't know what my PhD is about. But all the time I was down, I'll just call her, and and I would really mm. feel okay. Um, so I would say I would say my mom has been the biggest supporter, just pushing me, because uh, I grew up in a village where. Up until up until I went to, I'm the first first person in my fa- entire family, uh, for instance, to go to uni to to get a direct admission to uni. And up until that time, I'd never seen a girl uh, from our village, uh, a, a graduate. Uh, and even even boys, there were very few of them. Uh, I think the highest you would say the highest qualification would be diploma. Right. And 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 my mom to have that confidence um telling me you know you will pass and you will go you will you will not only do your your bachelor's you will also do your masters you will also do your phd and 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 she was not joking like uh, you could just see the face and she she really meant that and she worked worked with me throughout those those stages so i would i would really single out her as as the biggest supporter and the reason why i'm here and she absolutely gave you that sense of confidence and determination. So you will be the first girl from your village to have uh, graduated from university? Uh, I, I'm not so sure, but I would say with engineering for sure. For sure, yeah. But there weren't role models out there for you at the time. There, there were not. no role models no. for you as a young girl. No, especially girls. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what were the major, you, you had your mother to be your f- fabulous supporter and, and be very clear with you that these are things that are possible for you. What were some of the major challenges you confronted personally or academically? So I would, I would say personally. So academically, it, it was okay because I went from a, a really under-resourced primary school to a better high school to, to uh, Jomo Kenyatta's top top university in top engineering university in Kenya so it was like a nice progression academically but looking back i would say the the biggest deterrent was uh, 
because my my community is quite conservative and even until now women do not have uh, a strong voice so you'd find it's common to 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 find your brothers or your dad mm-hmm. or your husband uh, making making choices for you and and you you don't have a say in the matter and and looking back it, it was mostly that that you you are like um, you depend on someone else to make decisions for you, and and it 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 it, it was a big challenge. Uh, looking back, I would say that was the biggest. Yeah. So how did you overcome that? Wanting to make your own decisions and have autonomy and independence in a in a culture and an environment where that was unusual. How did you approach it? Uh, stubbornness. Mm-hmm. I I I, I um, stubbornness in a good way. Uh, knowing that this is where you want to go, not many people have gone that way, and and you are sure this is where you want to go. And of course, many people will be um, hesitant to support you. But I would I would keep saying it was my mom uh, who taught me, not only me, especially. I mean, it was especially girls, because uh, I mean, for boys, it's 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 relatively okay. It's expected for a man to have a voice, a voice, and to to pursue whatever they want. But mostly for women, for girls particularly, you don't have that. Um, a choice or um, a freedom to make those choices. After high school, I was sure I wanted to do mechanical engineering. And um, many people actually, they did not think mechanical would be a good suit for me. And so uh, I remember some people suggesting that maybe I should try something else, but not mechanical. But I just remember persisting and I went ahead anyway and, and applied for mechanical and I was called for mechanical. And of course, I think everyone was waiting for me to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially those who are discouraging me for whatever reason. I think they, they expected that mechanical is mechanical, like manly and, and it's for men kind of thing. But I passed very well and, and it kind of just, uh, you know, proved them wrong. Uh, so I would say stubbornness for sure. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way, yeah. Knowing that this is what you want to do. Not many people, not many girls have done it, but this is what you want to do and just, and just persisting and, and going for that. And it's been, it's been, also, it's been my mom supporting me. Yeah. all the time. So I would tell her I want to do this thing and she would be like, but you know not many people have done and you will, you will, you will face all this resistance. Uh, are you prepared for this? And I'll say, yeah. And she's like, okay, I'm behind you. And, and she has been for sure. Wonderful. And what about um, mentors, either academic or professional? Have you had um, people in your life that have really been able to help you navigate anything from academia through to uh, scholarships? Have there been other important people in your life that have been very vested in your success? Uh Quite a number, and um, I'm afraid I won't be able to name each and every one, but mm-hmm. I've, I've not had a consistent one person following me throughout, apart from my mom. Uh, but my mom hasn't been hasn't been academic uh, mentor. She's been just like, and, and just playing a role of a mom. Uh, uh, yeah, so my mom has been consistent throughout in terms of supporting me academically and also life-wise. Uh, but looking back, I would say... It will be most of my teachers. So from primary school, I would have one teacher who saw a lot of potential in me and, and invested a lot. And then I went to high school, I found another teacher and supported me through those four years. And then I went to uni, I found a different person. And then at Oxford, it's been my supervisor really uh, showing me how to go about research, how to be independent and things like that. Mm-hmm. So academically, I haven't had one person. It's been different people at different stages of my academic uh, career. Who have seen your potential and really supported and nurtured that. Mm. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what led to your interest in thermofluids? I I can't tell for sure. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think I, I enjoyed thermofluids units a lot. I, I enjoyed, uh, so we had courses like fluid dynamics, fluid mechanics, thermodynamics, and I enjoyed those a lot. Uh, I passed in other units, but I think I, I, I really liked the, I think it started with liking the, the course unit. Uh-huh. And then we went to the lab and did thermofluid experiments. And, and I, I just gravitated toward thermofluid experiments and course units. And, and that's where, yeah, that's where the interest uh, started. That was back in undergrad. So what do you see yourself doing with your understanding of thermofluids and particularly the work that you're doing in aerospace now? What's your aspiration for the future? I am about to finish my PhD in aerospace. And I recently got a Schmidt Science Fellowship and it's interdisciplinary postdoctoral uh, fellowship. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging us to move from what you are doing for PhD and try something different uh, and moving out of your comfort zone and just try something completely or slightly yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And so for this coming year, for sure, I would be doing mostly, it will not be exactly what I did for PhD. So it will be less of aerospace and, and more of space. So I've, I'm moving into a research group at MIT that is looking at how to harness space technologies and science. So Think of uh, satellite communication that is used to connect uh, rural schools, mostly in developing countries, connecting schools to Internet, for instance. So such things. So sending satellites to space and and in-space propulsion um, and to send those satellites, you need fuel and things like that. So I'll be joining this group and I will be focusing mostly on on the fuel side of things. Um, They are working on getting better environmentally friendly fuel rocket fuel for sending satellites into space. Fantastic. And this is about connecting rural schools? Uh, not, not entirely. Not entirely. So okay. I, I don't know if you are conversant uh, with 17 UN SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. So no, no hunger, zero yes. poverty, uh, uh, gender equality, climate change. Yes. They are mm-hmm. 17 broadly categorized. And, and this group is looking at how can we use space technologies and space designs and science to either directly address those sustainable development goals or indirectly monitor. So something like uh, sending satellites into space to connect, uh, it's called satellite communication, to connect rural schools to internet. That is improving, it's improving quality. I mean, it's it's addressing the quality education um, sustainable development goal. And um, so it's not not only that. So it's it's looking at uh, even climate change, uh, using those satellites to track deforestation, for instance, Mm -hmm. or to help people during uh, climate change disasters. So it's it's a lot of things spread across. But just how how can we use space science and space technologies and space design to, to directly... Or, or indirectly uh, address those sustainable development goals. Fantastic. I found what they are doing interesting, particularly because I grew up in Kenya and Kenya being a developing country and things like um, no internet, is, is, is it's not a vocabulary here. And so I thought if I could use my skills to indirectly address that problem, then I think I would be living my dream. So, so for this one year, and I think the next, uh, that, that's what I'll be doing. So I'll be stepping out of aerospace almost completely, and looking at these space science and technologies. And you'll be doing that with the MIT team? Yes. That's wonderful. That sounds fantastic. So tell me, how important has the Rhodes Scholarship been to you? 
uh, very important. I wouldn't be here, for instance, even my PhD would not happen without road scholarship because it funded my entire PhD and, and brought me, it was my vehicle to Oxford. So if it, without road, I wouldn't be in Oxford and I, I, I don't think I would have achieved most of the things I've achieved at Oxford. Right. So it, it's, it's very important. And I, I, also like, I also like it because it did not only focus on my PhD, it was also actively looking to to help scholars develop leadership skills right. um, intentionally, yeah. So through seminars, through workshops, and things like that. And so it's really important for me. What do you observe about women in science, Gladys? Um, obviously, it's a it's a challenge for women in STEM generally and in technology. What are your observations about, uh, you're a huge role model, and I know you do a lot of work outside of your research and outside of your Oxford PhD uh, for women in science. I'd be interested in your insights. Uh, so what I've observed about women in science, I think just from my own experience and just interacting with women in science and engineering at Oxford, we, we share the same kind of problems. I mean, especially where environments where people are still struggling to accept that women can do science and women can do engineering. And so whenever we meet, we kind of we kind of share the same kind of problems, the same hurdles. Uh, so that's what I've observed. It cuts across the, the challenges we all face. Uh, quite similar. They would be different from one woman to another, one uh, organization to another. But I think uh, in so many ways, they, we share same kind of, uh, had in in our in our careers and and I would say most of most of them have been persistent to get to where they they are uh, persistence and and stubbornness I think would be the recurrent theme for sure mm-hmm. yeah, just from my own interaction what would you say some of those primary hurdles are I would say mostly just people around you not trusting or still having the old age kind of thought that mm. women are not women cannot do engineering. I think even like I was telling you previously, I, I, I would say the main reason why some of the people uh, I asked when I, was, when I was applying for mechanical engineering, the main reason, it wasn't because I would not handle it, but I think because they've just not seen a woman uh, doing engineering uh, or just thinking that it's just for men and, mm. and not for women. So I would say that, that's the main challenge. So when you are in an environment with someone maybe project partner or maybe someone supervising you or maybe someone you are reporting to, if they don't trust that you can do the work, mm. I, I think it's, it can just be frustrating, yeah. How do you overcome that? There's expectations uh, about women. And as you say, sometimes they have just never been exposed to women in engineering or science. What's your, mm. what's your strategy when you acknowledge that you're in an environment, a particular environment maybe, uh, where people are not used to you or don't necessarily trust your competence or capability? How do you approach that? Uh, the obvious thing of, would be to change how those people think, uh, to change. To, to make them accept that women can also do science and can do engineering, but that, that's really hard, changing how someone thinks. Mm. And for, for me, it's just been really anticipating. So where, wherever I'm going, I anticipate that I will find one or two people who, who still have the old, 
you know, um, they, they still they still do not accept that women can can do science or engineering. And I think just knowing that you you are likely to find that kind of helps you, so you are not shaken when you encounter. So that's the first. So I'm mm. always I'm always sure I will find one or two people who just because I'm I'm woman or someone of color uh, and and doing engineering, doing aerospace, uh, they 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 would be hesitant to trust you uh, at first. Uh, but but I, I, I kind of anticipate that. And then, like I said, I think it will just be stubbornness. Let me say confidence more yeah. than, yeah, it will be more of confidence, yeah, because you know, you know the reason why that is happening is not really because of you, it's because of them and their own beliefs. And, and, and personally, I've seen my journey, I've seen my progression from a, a, a small school in Kenya to where I am. And so where I am at, at it, it takes a lot for someone to bring me down because I'm kind of confident. I've, I've seen my own progress. I've gone to a school where I was, uh, I had the least marks and I, I came out of the school with the highest marks. And, and so just, just knowing that has made me really confident. Yes. And so I would say confidence would be key in yourself because then you can't, uh, if they can't trust you, if they can't be confident in you and you are confident in yourself, then it's just about time before you prove them wrong. Yeah. I love that. If they don't have confidence in you, then that doesn't diminish your confidence in yourself no. because you know what you're capable of and uh, and then you just stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what are you proudest of in your career, Gladys? I would say getting here, mm. getting to getting to Oxford and I'm about to finish my PhD. Uh, coming from where I come from, from mm. my village, uh, small community still quite conservative where women still struggle to have a voice. And, and just me getting here with all this freedom, I can I can move from one continent to another. Uh, just just the keys that the education has given me. Just getting here, it's everything. Yeah, that's fantastic. And what what advice would you have for women leaders or aspiring leaders uh, listening to this? I would say. Uh, I'm sure, especially women leaders in science, I'm sure they've they've had to cross a lot of hurdles to get to where they are. And and um, I'm just so proud of them. And they should know that some of us, younger people, younger women, are looking up to them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and they never know they are secretly uh, or without knowing inspiring someone else. Because just from my own journey, and I've just talked to a girl, and she tells me, you inspire me, and I, I, I do not know. And and so I would say for those women leaders, it's our hope really for young younger women like us. Um, I'm I'm sure they may not know, but they are uh, obviously uh, inspiring so many women. Yes. And 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 just congratulations for them because I know they've had to go through, it, especially if they they've grown uh, up in some in conservative communities. But just generally, uh, for a woman to get there, I'm, I'm sure they've had to cross a lot of hurdles. And so I'm, I'm proud of them, and they should know that they, um, they inspire us. Yeah, that's really interesting. And to acknowledge that just by being a leader, there you are a natural role model, and so people will be observing you and uh, yes. acknowledging the fact that uh, that you have done that. You have done that. Yeah. yeah. So if you were looking back, Gladys, um at that little girl in that village school, uh, getting mm-hmm. the, uh, the the bottom in maths, what advice would you give her now, looking back? I would say uh, I just hope uh, for for every girl, particularly. I'll just talk about girls. Just mm. looking back at my own journey, I just hope they have someone consistent like my mom, because for sure I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. Even the high school I went to, which was a bit 
it was average but the, the like I, I didn't think i would have gone there if it wasn't for her to move from one school to another looking for a better school for me and and so it's not it's not a one person journey and i'm just hoping for that girl I, i'm hoping they get someone consistent to build their confidence because when you are young you're just a young person you even don't know what life is it's just over time then you realize you realize what life is and what you want to what kind of legacy you want to leave but not until when you are a bit older so for that young girl my my hope is just i i just hope they get a, a parent a guardian a teacher who will look after them and and build confidence especially for girls i think confidence is key because then people will try to bring you down and so if the, if uh, if you are a bit uh, shaky confidence wise then it will be a challenge mm. so my hope is just yeah i hope people around uh, guardian parents teachers mentors i hope they they build confidence in those girls because that they really need that to to move and to shape the world yeah to shake the world yeah. i love that and as you said it's yeah. it's never a one person journey and you it's know for not, those of us who not. have been lucky enough to have mothers who do that but otherwise teachers all of the people around you that can support yeah. you and and build your confidence as you say and that persistence and and stubbornness to be determined yeah. to uh to do what you're capable of doing and do what you want to do yeah yeah gladys it's been such a pleasure speaking to you you're already an inspiration and i just know that you're going to be going on to make such a huge difference not just in the world in terms of the work that you do but as a role model um and so i just want to really thank you it's been such a pleasure talking to you and thank you for calling in from kenya thank you so much for having me i saw some of your work that you've done and it's it's a pure privilege for me to be in your platform oh, and it's... so i really appreciate uh, your consideration to interview me It's been a real pleasure Gladys. All the very best and hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Grit in the Oyster. If you're enjoying our conversations, do subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and stay in touch. Penny at pennydevolt.com.